0: Welcome, everyone, to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me. Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoop Heads as always. Today I'm joined by Matt Issa, creator of Hoopheads: the quest for the best. What's up, Matt?
1: Hey, what's up, Devin? How's it going?
0: Oh, it's going well. Um, I mean, Labor, Labor Day weekend as, as we're recording at a little after two o'clock on Sunday, September 5th for the listeners. And I'm really excited to talk with you here about your six-part series answering questions like uh, who are the top 10 best players in NBA history who's the goat we won't answer those questions today because obviously you'll be answering that shortly um but yeah I'm really excited because your lens of basketball is more like that of a historian and mine is kind of more current obviously in following a team and I think it'll be good to hear another voice uh for the listeners. Let's see. I'm, I'm gonna go into a little bit more of an overview here, and then let me know if I captured everything that the listeners uh, need to know. So, like I said, those are two of the an- two of the questions that are that will be answered in the show. Who are the top ten best players in history? Who's the GOAT features? Um, this is a big thing that jumped out to me on Twitter. There's over 70 interviews between coaches. Players and media members, such as former Buck Len Elmore, if I saw that correctly. I might have to hop on his basketball reference. Former NBA, NBA coach Mike Woodson. Uh, Bleacher Reports Jake Fisher. SB Nations Harrison Fagan. Uh, the Athletics Moe Keel, New Orleans Pelicans general manager Trajan Langdon and more. Um, is there anything else that you'd like the listeners to know about your show before it comes out in uh, a couple weeks or so?
1: Yeah, um just uh to to um, answer your question, yes, he did play for the Bucs. He played I think right after he, he might have actually been a part of the trade that sent Kareem to LA somehow or some I don't know, some part of like the, you know, the little roster procedures that I have to go through with a trade like that. But um yeah, he did play for the Bucs for a little bit, so I guess he does tie into the podcast. Really 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 intelligent guy. He actually teaches a class at uh, Columbia university now in the master's program but um anything i need you guys to know uh it will be releasing so we haven't officially announced it but we're going to be either tomorrow or the day after but just since you know you were nice enough to have me on your podcast i might as well spill the beans right now it looks like it's going to be premiering the first two episodes on september 14th so that's uh what is it nine days from now right today's the fifth yeah Yeah, so the first two episodes will be September 14th. And after that, every Tuesday, that's 14th is a Tuesday. Yes. So every Tuesday, we're going to have a new episode premiere and until we, you know, until we get to the end. so I, you know, I really hope that I do enough in our conversation today to get all your listeners to hop over there and check it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely implore everybody to check it out for reasons that I kind of prefaced where it's. It's a different tune than obviously our day-to-day at Nook If You Buck, but I think it's important and it kind of follows my mission with uh, starting this whole show is trying to kind of, I don't know, I guess create more like well-informed fans. We talked a bit before the show about um, how not everybody can like put in the same hours that that we like to just out of like our nerdiness and you hear a lot of people sort of dying on one Hill. Like we'll of course discuss a little bit of current stuff like Ben Simmons. And and of course, like people like to focus on the negative probably more so right now, but, uh, there's a reason why the Sixers are holding out for a certain return. All right. And then uh, (laughs) away from that digression now, uh, Whenever I have a new guest, I like to kind of pick their brain a bit on their basketball fan origin story. Uh, Matt, do you have a particular favorite team or favorite player, and did they at all shape uh, how you became such a big NBA and basketball fan?
1: Yeah, so I do have like an actual origin story um, with that, so... I remember it, like, really well because I have, like, this really, like, weird memory where I can, like, recall, like, random instances, like, kind of like that for no reason, but I can't remember, like, my girlfriend's birthday, but, (laughs) um, so, um, it was 2006, game six, um, of the finals, Mavs versus he, I remember my mom had a wedding to go to that day, um, that she didn't go to with my dad for some reason, but my dad, um, so my dad had to take me with him to work, he works at a party store, so he works at nighttime, um, but, uh, so we were coming home from work, and I remember we came home and we turned the game on, and I got to see the second half of Heat versus Mavs. And if you guys remember, that's when D Wade famously, you know, destroyed the Mavs four games in a row, and he was like a free throw drawing jukebox or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, so you would think after watching that and falling in love with the game in that half, like, Dwayne Wade would become my favorite player, right? It's actually the opposite. So, like, I have, like, this weird infatuation with like people losing for some reason i think it's because i have like an underdog complex but i like fell in love with dirk navinsky after watching him lose that game and so he became my favorite player and i'm not gonna lie to you i talk about how i try to be really unbiased in the series but the one bias i did carry with me is i tried so damn hard to build a case for dirk's top 10 and it just it just wasn't there He's easy he's, he's top twenty like one hundred percent, and I will. If you, I mean, I don't. I try not to die on hills because you know, basketball is a very subjective sport, and there's a lot of nuance to it. But I, I will die on the hill that Dirk Nowitzki is one of the twentieth greatest players to ever play this game. But I tried really hard to make him top ten, but he's not. So I guess that's some, some more um, breaking news on uh, Nucky Fu But um, the reason I, I became more interested in historical stuff though is it's also because of my father. He. Uh, When he came to America, I think the year was 1984, and he loved uh, the Showtime Lakers, and he loved Magic Johnson. And so, you know, he always told me, like, hey, Matt, you know, uh, you'll never, like, try as hard as you want to. You'll never find a point guard better than Magic Johnson. You know, so I started to kind of look at him, like, reverentially, you know. So then I started learning more about guys, like, just obscure guys from the 80s who were really good, but nobody talks about anymore. Like, you know, Alex English or Adrian Dantley or or, uh, Fat Lever or whoever. And, you know, so I've always had, like, an appreciation for basketball history. And I think that really influenced this whole project. And because I had a lot more fun, I think, watching, like, a 1984 first-round matchup between, I don't know, like, the the Rockets and, I don't know, whoever they were playing, the, the Mavs or something like that. You know, what I, mean? I don't think the Mavs were a franchise at that point, but it's neither here nor there. But I had a lot more fun watching these, like, poor quality YouTube basketball games than a regular guy would, a regular girl would. So I think that definitely helped me out in the research process of this series.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a way to differentiate yourself. Cause I know for me, it seems like daunting to try to tackle like the biggest questions of like basketball history. In fact, I, I tend to run from it cause like, a lot of people do like die on certain hills. And I mean, the Dirk thing is like totally reasonable. We'll talk about someone else who had a similar ranking um, to you there, but yeah, I guess shout out, shout out to you for, uh, I don't know, undertaking that whole thing. And uh, we look forward to, to learning more about your findings in, in a little over a week. Um, And I, I love, I love hearing about, uh guests origin story. Um I definitely thought you're gonna you're gonna go you're go gonna go into the realm of uh D Wade there, but Dirk does have of course one of the one of the best kind of underdog stories of like some of the best players of all time. Um from that that's that series collapse in 06. Um and then there was also a year maybe it was the year after where he won the mvp and then famously was out of the playoffs by the time it was presented to him something like that you can correct me but then yeah, of course he punched the hole in the wall oh what was that
1: he punched the hole in the wall in the in the tunnel after getting eliminated by the warriors that right That's what you're talking about
0: yeah i um oh was that against the we believe warriors maybe yep yep okay. oh yeah I didn't, know, I didn't even know the anecdote about him punching a hole in a wall, but it makes sense. And going from that to, of course, doing the impossible and taking down the heat big three, I remember my connection to that was I became like a diehard, progressively became more diehard. But when I was getting into the NBA, I remember a lot of it circled around outside of the Bucs, like the Kobe LeBron debates of like the beginning of the 2010s late 2000s and of course he went to the heat I think that was a that was a big turning point for a lot of people like becoming more than casual fans like myself and I think through having Kobe LeBron debates with my brothers growing up and him just being the biggest thing when I became a fan like I still have a hard time not rooting for LeBron and even though like I think a lot of people gravitate to underdogs like the Milwaukee Bucks are underdogs and in many ways. But I was still like so rooting for LeBron James just because it felt right for him to finally get a title that like I started to like dislike Dirk. And in my head, I was like, I somehow as a kid managed to make myself believe that like Dirk was like like almost taunting the heat but then it like now looking back i'm like no like any player is gonna be hyped if they put on like a historic performance like dirk does um so yeah from there um first we're gonna start trying to place the bucks um throughout nba history compared to their contemporaries um first question that came to mind is what champions do you think are the most comparable to to the Milwaukee Bucks and that could be a bit loaded because obviously uh teams are like snowflakes but um the examples I threw out were just ones (laughs) unfortunately Bucks fans I'm going to throw out all like kind of one-time champs in terms of their iterations, like the 2019 Raptors. I put in 11 Mavs, but I think that's a little more enigmatic than I give it credit. Uh, 08 Celtics and 04 Pistons. Um, And to try to redeem myself a bit for almost counting us out before the season to be repeat champs or champs again in this iteration, um, I think it's fair that at least, I don't know about the Celtics, but three of those four teams I just mentioned probably weren't favored to win the championship that year. And, of course, the Bucks weren't favored, weren't the number one favorite going into it by any means either. Um, does any other team in history stand out? Maybe one um, prior to this time period I mentioned?
1: Yeah, um... So I'm unlike you. I'm going to go with more of like a, a dynasty. They remind me of. I can't like pinpoint a specific year. Probably the earlier iterations, but um, that early 2000s Lakers team, I feel like would make the most sense if you're trying to compare them to a championship team. Not in terms of like how much better they are in the league. I think that um, not to be the guy who comes on, you know, a box Bucks, box oriented podcast and just kind of like steps on them, but like I think this is like a we can all agree it's a it's a weaker championship team than like we've seen you know what I mean but um I do think like if you're looking at it from personnel where it's like your best player is he's not he's not like this heliocentric you know the whole he's not this ball dominant heliocentric like the whole universe revolves around him he's like very additive you know they'd give him the ball and it's very quick hitting you know what I mean like Shaq was very quick hitting guy and Mm -hmm. then his foil his counterpart is Robin whatever you want to call him uh, in Chris Middleton, he does remind me of a younger Kobe Bryant in that you know he's he's able to put the ball on the floor and hit some tough shots, and at the same time, like Kobe at that point, especially earlier in those runs, he hadn't gotten to that point as a playmaker yet. Where I could say like, okay, like because once Kobe peaks, he's a much better playmaker than Chris Middleton. Not to take anything away from Chris Middleton, but so I, there is like some comparison there. Um, I think that uh, Zach Cram he actually wrote like a really good piece for the Ringer. I want to say, like, honestly, right after, no, right before game one of the first round, he had written, like, a really good piece. Actually, no, I take that back. It was, like, early in the season, but I remember he retweeted it before game one. But uh, he wrote a really good piece about how Giannis is their Shaq and Middleton needs to be their Kobe, and I think there's a lot there um, that makes sense for trying to compare them. But like you said, you know, it's like a snowflake. All championship teams are different.
0: Yeah, I I kind of like that different approach to it like cuz we've we've heard a lot of uh Shaq and Giannis comparison through the years with their dominance in the paint. Um, I mean there are plenty there're plenty like counting counting numbers for like like this hasn't been done Gian, like Giannis is doing something that hasn't been done since Shaq and part of that has to do with like the new era and then Chris Middleton is sort of like a Kobe Bryant like acolyte in a way. Um, obviously, being one of the few guys who still succeeds in, in the mid range area, and, and and of course the fact that like Chris Middleton, um, despite Game Six of the finals, uh, a lot of times we we relied on him heavily to be to be our closer. Uh, just as a guy who can like hit shots from all over the court, even against like tough tough defenses. Um, and when I was when I was looking through this, I I was sort of thinking. The more I thought about it, the more I thought it was. I thought the twenty nineteen Raptors, even though Bucks fans may not like that comparison for, uh, for previous Eastern Conference final reasons, but. Um, when I kind of look at their like top three players, there, um, obviously not like all the same, but I feel like a lot of them are on similar levels, like like a uh, Kyle Lowry and a Drew Holiday, um, and then when you when you look at Kawhi and Pascal, they're sort of really similar to Giannis and Chris, if just in that alternate reality. Like Pascal Siakam were at the level that that Kawhi Leonard was, and they just sort of like I don't know in this like alternate universe I'm conjuring where I'm like morphing the teams into each other. Yeah, I think you get you get where I'm saying. Just basically, Kawhi and, and Middleton play more similarly, and Pascal and Giannis have have been known to play similarly, but they're obviously not on the same levels as as the two that I'm comparing them to. Um. Mavs, I sort of threw them in there just because they're not like they were sort of like not a favorite at first, and I know the the Bucks weren't, and they're not going to be next year. Um, I didn't even throw in sixteen calves, even though they fall into that, but that's just like so different because they were fighting against like like the monster of the Golden State Warriors at that time and. LeBron James is LeBron James just feels weird to make comparisons there. I feel like the 08 Celtics almost had me because with like again having like somewhat of a big 3 but not like the amazing big 3s like like the Warriors or um, Heat that we've talked about before but at the same time maybe Maybe a Pierce and a and a Ray Allen might be in a different maybe would have been better at the time than Chris and Drew are now. I don't think that's like that's tough for uh Bucks Bucks fans to take in, but I mean Giannis and 8 KG aren't like totally dissimilar. And the O four Pistons I had them because I mean, honestly, I remember there there being stats thrown out there about um, this year's Bucks in in the playoffs and their like defensive prowess, and we don't need to say anything more about how great the 0-4 team was defensively. Um, and like, honestly, I couldn't find said stats that I was referring to, but um, yeah. Whereas the Bucks, like, offense really floundered at points throughout these playoffs for sure. Um, it, they they always had that defense to fall back onto cuz Drew Holiday is an all-world defender and should have gotten more credit for it earlier in his career but um he was given credit for it uh again this year Giannis is Giannis Drew's and then or I already said Drew Chris and Brooke, uh if anything might be like slightly underrated I think and um as like in terms of how it, uh nba fans like consider their or yeah regard their all-around defense um but like yeah especially yeah i'm, I'm impressed with the with the shack and kobe comparisons because at first i wasn't i wasn't sh- so sure because those guys three pated but skill sets i totally get that um let me yeah. jump into another yeah, quick what- question here oh unless you have a you have a response there to that. I don't have to jump right yeah,
1: away. I, I was just going to say, um, yeah, well, like, when you ask me, like, that kind of question, I don't really think of it, like, from, like, okay, like, talent-wise, like, who do they match up with? I just think, like, yeah, personnel-wise, like, whose skill set's similar to whose skill set in history, but I want to say one thing about Drew Holiday that's really cool to me. You talk about him being, like, all-world defender. One thing I've realized is, like, we call, like, okay, so we talk about a guy, like, this guy's a good defender. That usually means he can guard, like one of two types of players at his position. So either, you know, either, like, in basketball, you gain advantages by being, like, really strong or really fast and shifty, you know what I mean? So, like, for example, you know who's a really good perimeter defender? um, Patrick Beverly, right? But Pat Beverly is good at being, like, physical and, like, kind of jamming you up at the line, you know? Um, So he did a good job against a guy like Devin Booker, right, who's not – he can't really handle physicality that well. But when he was going against Donovan Mitchell – You know, Don Mitchell was, like, tearing him up because he's faster, uh, he's shiftier. Um, Or, like, for example, like when Pat Beverly was going against Luka Doncic, you know, Doncic is stronger than he is, so his, like, his whole idea of using strength no longer works, and he's not, not, like, incredibly fast or anything to uh, keep guys in front of him. But um, Drew Holiday, he can do both, you know what I mean? Like, you have, like, a guy who uses strength to kind of try to bully their way, Um, into their spots, and Drew Holiday is so strong. It's, like, so, like, sneaky strong, and you you don't even notice it. Uh, I remember I was reading uh, Seth Partnow's, his tier list. He was like, you know, Drew Holiday doesn't have, like, that bodybuilder, beach body, but he's just, like, kind of functionally strong, you know? And then at the same time, you can put, like, you can put him on, like, the shiftier guys, you know, Um, like Devin Booker uh, and and those guys. But, uh, yeah, so that's why I love that. I love that he can – I think he probably is – the best perimeter defender in the league and this playoffs prove that
0: yeah I definitely would not argue that even for uh bias reasons um but yeah I I mean I said it with Chris and Brooke but it it also stands with Drew even though he, he gets like credit to a degree now but yeah, just to reiter- reiterate what you were saying. His versatility on defense probably gets overlooked just because he's like nominally like a point guard or a shooting guard and but he can definitely guard guys who are like a lot bigger than him because of his strength and um he's definitely like tall for the guard position and I know Bucks fans like locked on Bucks talked about uh what are the chances of him like winning a defensive player of the year award uh one day um and, like, that's that that could be tough, and that doesn't, like, make or break whether or not he's had a successful career because he already has. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the chances are there just because that, that award typically goes to, um, if not, like, a rim protector first. Some might say that that, that kind of, that, um, defensive skill set's more important, but if not, usually, um, Like maybe like a forward, like a, like a Kawhi Leonard, who's just viewed as like, you know, it's easier to see, it's easier to see like a Kawhi Leonard or a Ben Simmons versatility, um, just because of like how, like how they look like physically, but I don't know, I wouldn't totally count it out, but I wouldn't put my money on it as far as a Drew Holiday Defensive Player of the Year award, um, It's okay. I think I'm going to jump into my next question here, which was sort of a no-brainer when I was bringing on someone with uh, your viewpoint on, like, basketball historically was, where do you think Giannis ranks um, right now? And this could just be, like, a ballpark or a tier. And do you—I mean— do you think that there's like some sort of ceiling on where he could get to eventually? Like, like we're not going to discuss who you think your goat is. Cause you're going to answer that in your show. But um I think I, me as a Bucks fan, I think it's wishful thinking to think that he could be considered like a goat by like a large population of reasonable NBA fans. But do you have any thoughts on Giannis's, Place historically at this moment and his, like, reasonable potential?
1: Yeah, um, so I talk about this a lot in the series, but uh, the only, like, fair way to analyze players from different eras is how did you do against your peers? So to be, like, for example, um, we talk about this in the the uh, the pre-game, like, you know, we talked about Bill Simmons' top 20, whatever, so if, like, for Giannis to be Top twenty all time if you're using the line of reasoning I just said, it would it would mean that he has to be, you know, during his peak, one of the three best players in the world. Um so I guess where where is Giannis right now in the league today? Uh I don't know. I mean I don't know if I have him I think I mean I'd say he's definitely three in the top three, but I don't know where in the top three he is. But uh I say this because So when we're going to – like, you know, when his career is all said and done, he's done all he can do, we're going to look at his peak years as, like, kind of our baseline, how we're going to start out. And, like, we're going to ask ourselves, okay, so was this guy the best player in the world for – like, what's the stretch you can point to this guy's the best player in the world? Like, so, for example, you know, spoiler alert, LeBron James is in my top (laughs) ten. When I started doing my research for LeBron James, I look at it. I'm like, okay, so from – let's say – 2009 until honestly, probably up until 2020, you could say he's the best player in the world, right? So that's 11 years he has right there of being the best player in the world. So I think about that now. Let's look at okay, um, another spoiler alert. I think LeBron James is better historically than say, Tim Duncan, right? I don't know if that's that's crazy to anyone, but so then I look at Tim Duncan's I look at Tim Duncan's reign of terror and I'm like, okay, when is Tim Duncan like definitely the best player in the world? And that one's a little bit harder to pinpoint, but whatever. It's definitely not 11 years of Tim Duncan being the best player in the world. So that's like a good, a good way for me to help parse through it. That's not the only way I do it, but that's just like an easier way to go through it. So like now we're going to go to Giannis, like say, okay, so say this year he's the best player in the world. Right. And then say he continues to be the best player in the world for the next four years. So that means he would be definitively the best player for, like, a four- or five-year stretch. And then you have to start asking yourself, like, how many guys have ever done that? You know what I mean? There's very few who can say they've done that. So that's when he'd really start to catapult himself. But it's not just about the peak, of course. You know, like, you need to be around for a long time. So, I mean, that's with injuries and his ability to adjust to a rapidly changing game. The game will continue to grow and change. But um, as of right now, I don't think he's – I think it's – it's a little bit um, reactionary to say he's like a top 20 player historically all time, even though he has already accomplished so much at a young age and he's definitely on the trajectory to be, I mean, I want to say like he has a chance to be one of the three, four greatest players that ever lived. But for that to be what happens, I need to see probably at least like seven years of being the best player in the world. And nobody's like, nobody's questioning it. You know what I mean? Cause that's what it takes to be one of the three or four best players of all time.
0: Yeah, I really like that um, that process of thinking through, like, like okay, were they like ever the best player in the world, and for how long? And I mean, Kevin, Kevin Durant also is high up on like a lot of these lists. Um, like in our in our notes here, I listed out like Bill Simmons rankings, and this was like at a certain point because. I think he came out, he's done a lot of historical stuff, but this year I think he, he said that he might even have Kevin Durant in the top ten already moving past like uh like a Jerry West. Um and even though like all his best years, like Katie's talked about how like he's always felt like um I don't know, a reason for him having a chip on his shoulder at times was, like, always feeling, feeling like, the second best at something, like, always being behind LeBron or being the number two pick in the draft and what have you. So, I mean, and and like you said, there are different measures than just, like, if you're the best player in the world at a certain time. And, and yeah, I, even as a Bucks fan, like, I can't, like, really argue that, like, there there's there would definitely be like a lot of pushback if I was just like oh yeah Giannis had two MVPs so like right there he was the best player in the world for two years well no he he didn't win the championship those years obviously and yeah a lot more goes into it than just like if you win a championship too so a, a lot of his legacy there's a lot to go into it to determine where he'll be um so, looking at Bill Simmons' list right now, and of course, just like taking from someone else, but um, I mean, Giannis getting to top ten—it's definitely like possible, but but a lot would have to go into it. Like, he's already accomplished so much, but what are the odds that he's going to like accomplish like the same exact thing he he's done in like let's say like the past? three years in like the next three years like that's probably unlikely because he's like done so much um but yeah he would have to like be super dominant to get into the top 10 if i'm looking at it let's see sort of like right now bill simmons he updated this around like 2020 i want to say like, maybe after last season, at the very latest, he, he had Steph at, like, number 20. But Steph Curry's obviously accomplished a lot. Like, he, he has three championships and two MVPs as a, as opposed to Giannis's, obviously just one championship, but same amount of MVPs. Um, then... I mean, Steph obviously being, like, an offensive engine, like, unto himself, whereas Giannis is incredibly versatile and on both ends of the floor. But, I don't know, maybe maybe he would get some pushback because, like, he has, like, flaws and can be schemed in some ways, and he's definitely still working on it. Um, But, yeah, a lot of this is just, like, me thinking out loud because... um, yeah, this this isn't my strong suit. But
1: No, I really like it. I like I like hearing like the, the inner mechanisms of your of your mind.
0: Yeah. And I wanna keep like looking back further on Bill Simmons list because I mean top twenty, like you said, is, is a tall task in itself, and even like top thirty is is like quite an accomplishment, especially for Giannis at this time. But it looks like the Like ranks 20 through 30 for Bill Simmons in the relatively recent history was Steph 20, then Bob Pettit, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Bob Cousy, Kevin Garnett, Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, Scottie Pippen, John Stockton, and Chris Paul, and I mean, especially like looking at some of his, some of the guys at his position, Giannis doesn't have like the same longevity. Clearly, but um, like he has a, he has an extra MVP on on a uh, Carmelo and Charles Barkley. He has a championship on both of them. Um, both definitely like huge accomplishments that mean a lot in their legacy, but certainly not like certainly not the be-all end-all could you see like kind of what I was going to before where Giannis has already accomplished so much that like we wouldn't be upset if like these were like some of his best years but if he just kept up like sort of the counting stats like he eventually scored as many points as Charles Barkley he eventually had like similar amount of, like, all-stars and and all-NBAs. Do you think it would be, like, fair to put him, like, around or even maybe eventually above, like, a Pettit, Malone, and Barkley?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like what you're asking me here is, and correct me if I'm wrong, do I think that if, like, I can get, you know, Giannis's longevity, longevity, excuse me, to the same place as, like, a Barkley and a Malone, do I think, like, his peak is better than their peak? Is that like right? What you're saying?
0: Pretty much, yeah. That's a fairly concise way of <laughs> putting my putting my long-winded question. Like, yeah, basically, could he reasonably rank above those guys? With yeah, yeah like even if like these are some of his best years.
1: Yeah, I would say he um, he has the better peak. This like three-year window where he's won, you know, the two MVPs the one Defensive Player of the Year, the one um, Finals MVP and Championship. um, I think that three-year peak is better than any three-year stretch from Charles Barkley or Carl Malone. Um, So, like, when I'm looking at those two guys, I'd say, you know, Barkley's best three-year stretch probably, like, somewhere around, like, 90 to 93. And then Malone's, like, 96 to 98 or whatever. And, I mean, I would say, like, so if I look at Barkley from 90 to 93, uh, I would say. I mean, because I don't know for sure. Okay, I know Jordan's better than him, obviously. Drexler might have been better than him a couple of those years. Um, pro- I mean, that's probably it. I think it's so it'd be like he's like the two or three guy for that stretch. While you know, similar to Malone, like I know Jordan's better than him, but then I mean, other than that, like Shaq's starting to come on, but he's not. I don't know if he's there yet. Elijah Wan. Elijah Wan might have been um, still, like, I, Elijah Wan peaks right in between them probably, but he still kind of has some of that residue. Uh, Robinson, he's a little older at that point. but um, So they they're both of them are firmly at their peak one of the two or three best players in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Giannis, in his three-year peak, he definitely has, I'd say, at least one year where, you know, you're going to make the case that he is the best player in the world. And I would say this year, based on that finals performance, there's a legitimate argument to be made that he's the best player in the world. But um, So I'd say that probably is enough for me to say, okay, he's sl- it's very, very, very close. Because if you're thinking about it, like, okay, all three of them had the, the little bit of a um, hurdle to climb over with. You know, the fact that two of them are peaking while MJ's in the league and MJ's always going to be better than them and then Giannis is peaking while even LeBron who's kind of like in the the final act of his career um, I feel like that one's going to come back to bite me but um, he is kind of like in the final act of his career so it's going to be hard for Giannis to peak as the greatest player in the world but I would say maybe not for sure the best player in the world for one of those years but closer to being the best player in the world in his three year peak than Malone and Barkley were in their three year peak if that makes sense
0: Yeah, yeah, no, totally makes sense. And uh, yeah, not just trying to fish for uh, Giannis compliments there, but that's definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate the affirmation. Maybe going more towards, and I know yours and like Bill Simmons lists might differ. They likely will. And I'm just using this list because I haven't thought about this enough, but He has sort of in like the back of the teens, like he has Moses Malone, um, John Havlishek and Dirk, as it looks sort of like the 15, 16, 17. And like, I look at those guys, obviously very different resumes and from like different eras. So I don't know as much about them. I'm guessing you know more than me, but um, I feel like Moses Malone is like not talked about like much at all compared to like other guys on this list that he's even higher than, where um, like Bill Simmons ranked him. Um, is there like a clear case for? maybe all of, or like some of those three guys to like be above Giannis right now. And we're like kind of the same hypothetical where like Giannis has already done so much and it's wishful thinking for him to like, like replicate this like peak of his to like the same degree going forward. But like, how close do you think he is to like a Moses Malone? Havlicek and like Dirk all time is I think where I'm going to end that question.
1: Yeah. um, I know on the Havlicek thing, I did have the privilege of speaking to Bob Ryan. He was like the first interview I did for this entire series. And it was like a, just a life changing uh, conversation we had, but he um, was, he was so, uh so big on John Havlicek. He would like, it was so funny. He kept like every time like, during our conversation, he kept mentioning, like, hey, you better, like, have Havelcheck in the discussion and all this and that. And, you know, it was, like, kind of like you nod him off, like, you know, like, it's like your uncle, like, telling you, oh, you know, stay in school, kid, all that <laughs> stuff. But, um, no, I so he, like, he loves Havelcheck. And the reason I mention this is because I feel like Bill, and he said, he said this, is very, very influenced by Bob Ryan's opinion in his historical decision-making on matters like that. So I think that Havelcheck's probably... A little bit too high on this list, especially if we go back to doing what I like. You know what I said to you, where you look at the the years and like where does he rank in his peak amongst the players in his league? And I don't think there's ever a time where Havelchek's more than like the fifth best player in the league, and that's even with like eight teams or twelve teams or whatever it is. So I mean, that right there is enough to tell you he's probably not one of the twenty best players that ever lived. If he's never a top three guy in his career, but um, so I would say. Like, Giannis' peak's definitely better than his. Um, I actually studied Moses and Dirk. They were um, they were part of my big list. Like, I had 21 guys who I I really studied for this series to make my top 10, and both of them were on it. Like, you already know the Dirk thing, and I tried as hard as I could, couldn't get him in the top 10. Um, I think him and Moses are really close historically, Dirk and Moses, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, both are, like, both of them are just really – kind of impactful on one end of the floor. You know, Moses on the defense, especially with that rebounding, I think that provided so much value for his era and that strength he had. Um, and then the offensive rebounding and all of that. But, um, and then Dirk on offense, he's kind of, he's got like one of the, uh, off the top of my head, one of the seven or eight best, you know, offensive profiles the league's ever seen. So, but the thing that Giannis has in his favor that if his longevity can hold up is like kinda like he's got the two way game. You know, I don't think he's as impactful of an offensive player as Dirk and I don't think he ever will be. Very few players in history ever will be, but I think what he provides on defense where he's arguably, you know, however you slice it, one of the three or five most impactful defenders in the world. I think that coupled with you know the offensive value, the additive skills that he has on offense, where you can put him alongside a lot of guys because of the way he plays, um, it gives him a real chance. Where if he can, if he can just rack up like the counting stats, like you said, I could probably see him surpassing all three of those guys historically. And I mean, the the Dirk one really hurts me to say, it, but I could definitely see that.
0: Okay, that one that one was maybe the Dirk part was the part where I was maybe the most nervous for because. Obviously, I know he's one of your favorite players, um, but I think even I did, like, a roundtable episode with, like, a bunch of, like, my buddies that aren't, like, as obsessive about basketball, but, like, I do genuinely, like, like, a couple of them especially, like, I value their opinions and, like, have taken it to the show sometimes, um, but we talked about how how we thought that there was, like, a clear way for, for Giannis to... Surpass Dirk so long as uh you know something doesn't happen to Giannis like what happened to the Hawks series but it actually like plays out the way we all expected being his I'm gonna knock on wood seems sacrilege to talk about um
1: yeah I'm knocking with you
0: yeah but guy relies a lot on his athleticism so historically that doesn't always play out the best for certain people but um Giannis being as good as he is, um, players of his caliber usually find ways to like be exceptional for a very, very, very long time. Um, Havlicek, yeah, I definitely see. I didn't know the the anecdote on uh, Bob Ryan, and it's awesome that he was on your that he was in your series. I'm impressed you you uh, you got him, and uh, really look forward to hearing what he has to share. And Havlicek's resume here really jumps off the screen. I remember um, that when I first looked into it, because he kind of stood out to me and I was like, wait, really? Like, top 20? But I could be wrong. He has 13 All-Stars, 11 All-NBA, and then eight championships, eight All-Defense, and he was the 74 Finals MVP, but of course a lot of that comes with just that like historical Celtic yeah historic Celtics team um I mean not to take like credit away but we do have to weigh things differently sometimes like comparing certain eras when they were when there were less teams and and obviously like less talent than today like the league is incredibly talented right now compared to the past um and Moses Malone, I I did not realize he had three MVPs. Um, I believe throughout the maybe maybe one in like the late 70s and then a couple in the 80s. I could be wrong there on the years, but that's really impressive. And then of course um, he had 13 All Stars, six time rebounding champ, eight time All NBA, two time All Defense, and. At least I found that particularly interesting just because thinking more about Moses Malone now than most of, I don't know, maybe not ever, but this is one of the times I've thought the most about Moses Malone and like, like just comparing Giannis and him, like they're both very physically dominant underneath the basket, so... And Moses has accomplished a ton, and we hope that Giannis can do the same. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, very, very affirming for Bucks fans that that Giannis could potentially get into that get into that top twenty at some point. But when you get into names like this, you have to obviously wait and see before you just automatically throw them in there with everyone else, because you know. Dirk averaged 20 points per game in 20 seasons just not didn't average 20 points per game every season but that's his career average and he played 20 seasons and is like an offense unto himself and that's incredibly valuable um, and then yeah all of the accolades I listed for the other two as well so um, I think I'm going to jump into another kind of Bucks fan, um, all time question here. We talked about this a little before, but another thing that came up is kind of what could Chris Middleton's Hall of Fame chances be? Um, right now, Chris Middleton's resume looks like second best player on a title team, which was, which is like obviously only so many people can say that he only has two all-stars so far but I could see that going up obviously dependent on other talent in the league but I mean you have to think him along with Giannis and others will get like more of like a respect bump for having won this championship um you know opening the door for not only more Chris Middleton all-stars but um Giannis um And Chris also uh, has—he's just shy of uh, ten thousand points through nine seasons. Um, I mean, it's like sounds like a lot because I'm throwing out the number, but uh, I'm sure most other Hall of Famers have much more than that. Just based off of also longevity, also plays a role um, in in getting into the Hall of Fame and. The more I looked at it, honestly, I wasn't. I thought that might be a little bit of wishful thinking, because um, correct me if I'm wrong. I hear a lot about Mitch Richmond. Um, I think he was. He the guy who was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame, and a lot of the media kind of points to him and almost laughs about the fact that, like, that he's in the Hall of Fame, almost as like an indictment on the Hall of Fame, and. I mean, that's that's kind of disappointing, and I, I imagine it maybe would be for you, too, as someone who thinks more about the NBA historically, and similar with Bill Simmons, he, like, created his whole pyramid of greatness because he disagrees with the Hall of Fame. But going back to Mitch Richmond, if that's, like, a barometer, Mitch, Mitch Richmond, he was an NBA champion, um, I should have looked exactly with whom, and I don't remember where, so that might not equate to Chris Middleton's championship, but Mitch Richmond did have six, six all-stars and five all NBA, uh, seasons. So there's a way you could slice it where you could say that he was a top 15 player for five years, which is significant. Um, a couple other guys who are sort of on the fringes are, um, Sean Marion, who was championship or pardon me, a champion with the 2011 Mavs. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, he might be I don't know, you can you can jump in, Matt, if you would agree, but may, maybe he's he's the second best player on that 2011 team, which means a lot for that accomplishment.
1: Um, no. I would say cuz I don't I don't like doing the like this guy was straight up the best player. I like to do like okay, this is this guy was the offensive number 1. This guy was the defensive number 1, but if we're just doing it like like that, I'd say the second best player is probably Tyson Chandler, on that uh, okay. 2011 okay. team.
0: Well, so I guess that could even lower the bar a bit for what I'm going for. But like still, champion on one of the most adored champions of all time, four All Stars and two All NBAs, um, and then I also threw in Joe Johnson. Maybe that's a bit more of a reach, but just because Chris is has a basketball reference nickname of Baby Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson. Only one All-NBA, but he had seven All-Stars. Um, I suppose I will frame this similarly to the Giannis um, all-time ranking question, but uh, how likely do you think it is that Chris Middleton could get into the Hall of Fame given certain circumstances like like... I don't think it would be unreasonable to, to say that Chris Middleton could get like say another, another All Star or two. Maybe he even squeezes in an All NBA. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome back to. Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show, hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. You may be wondering why I'm jumping in here uh, like I am, and where the heck did Matt go? Well, funny story. Uh, as we were just recording, and I was finally getting to my point on asking Matt where he thinks Chris Middleton stands in his Hall of Fame, um status and we experienced some technical difficulties. I know in the past, um, fortunately post-show usually sometimes I catch myself fumbling with my mic and my cord and um, yeah. I suppose I don't know why this is this way, but if you mess with your mic when you're trying to talk into it, it might not work properly. So I think that's what happened. I don't really know. We could blame it on a number of factors, uh, like like the stiff bourbon I pulled po- I poured last night, watching rewatching a Peaky Blinders episode, the lack of sleep that ensued, the fact that my Uber Eats didn't deliver. Uh, my Collectivo iced coffee and breakfast burrito that I usually have this morning. Um, or the fact that, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by, um, the, if I do say so myself, the riveting thought experiment that, um, that, uh, we jumped into there with Matt. But I wanted to still go over a few points that I had remaining. Um, where I was getting at with Chris Middleton, basically... Although it's definitely not out of the question, I think that it could be tough for Chris Middleton to get in the Hall of Fame, and that's okay. Um, In fact, I'm totally fine with keeping uh, standards higher rather than lower for um, accolades like the Hall of Fame, because it should be um, exceedingly difficult to get there, and just because you're not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean you're not an exceptional player that... um, that won't be remembered. Um, Because as it stands, although Chris Middleton as the, I'd say clear um, all around second best player on this title team, he still as of now only has a couple MVPs. um, And um, although like we talked about with Matt, where um, um, we have no reason to believe that Chris Middleton won't have a uh, a long career and continue scoring um at like around 19 points per game like he has for the past six seasons um that'll help his case um we can't necessarily assume that like he's gonna automatically take like another big leap after um already getting to the point that that he's at um i talked about that um it could now help Giannis and Chris the fact that they'll be given more respect, uh, achieving the ultimate goal of the championship, and that could lead to an MVP, another MVP for Giannis, or another All Star, potentially even an All NBA berth. But also, the the league is flooded with talent right now, like it never like it never has been. Uh, some people would say so. That also doesn't help uh, Chris when comparing him to his contemporaries. Um. So yeah, we got through most of that with Matt, but uh, come to think of it, I don't even know how much of a response he was even uh, afforded there, due to my own lapse. Um, I wanted to get into how the, I believe this will be the NBA's 75th anniversary. And on their 50th anniversary, they created their uh, top 50 players of all time for their 50th year. And the NBA announced that in some capacity, they'll be adding um, 25 more players or recreating the list. And if I remember correctly, they might not even secure the spots for the previous 50, meaning that um, they could add more than 25. So I went through and I came up with some names and I wanted to get Matt's point of view, but... um, for now, I will just share who I think are either no-brainers or clear contenders for who the next 25 would be. Um, we'll start off, out with some no-brainers. Bron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, Steve Nash, Allen Iverson. Uh, Chris Paul, and then these guys aren't necessarily no-brainers, but definitely in contention. We have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, uh, former Milwaukee Bucks, uh coach uh, Jason Kidd, uh, perhaps the namesake for Giannis' uh, second child, but no official announcement has been made. Um, that's just a side note for now. Uh, Kamala Anthony, Paul Pierce, uh, former former Buck, Bucks legend Ray Allen, Pau Gasol, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Phew, that's 25 guys right there. Of course, I had some other names in my mind as well, but um, like uh, Tracy McGrady or Grant Hill. Um, of course, maybe some recency bias plays into the fact that I didn't... Uh, had them in there right away, but they are lacking sort and accomplishments besides obviously being incredible scores um, a decade or two ago. And so, yeah, I guess I look forward to seeing who who the NBA enshrines there, and I'm sure that will that will recap that once uh you know once the NBA shares their list. Um, um, yeah I don't think there are any other names that automatically uh, came to my mind um, I will just share one thing that um, I didn't throw throw by Matt earlier but he shared in a tweet so I gather it's safe to share that um, Matt created a score the adjusted Osaki score I was interested in the name of how he came up with it but um, the adjusted Osaki score or AOS measures an NBA player's uh, career accolades winning achievements such as uh, MVPs, All-Stars, All-NBA teams, and scoring titles Uh, and it's basically supposed to uh, come up with a score to try and rank them all time um, and Matt also shares a note that this is best when comparing players from the same era because not all awards were handed out all throughout history, such as Defensive Player of the Year, um, which was given out in, first in 1983. So that's something that uh, obviously we can't technically include in, uh, in Bill Russell's score, but uh, you'd imagine he would have, uh, he'd have one or uh, eight of those. Uh, and I wanted to pick, um, pick Matt's brain on that. Cause he says that, for example, um, one second team, all NBA equals one and a half points. And I kind of wanted to see if, if, even if he didn't want to, even if he didn't want to share all of the, all of the news and his new stat, um, wanted to see if he could maybe give us a couple scores for some bucks, um. But all the more reason for you to tune in for uh, 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 Quest to the Best with uh, Matt Issa, which he announced on the show earlier that it will debut on September 14th um, next Tuesday as of recording this now. So um, I can't wait to hear from him there. And then maybe from that, we'll be able to calculate uh, what Giannis's score would be and um and see where uh Matt has him exactly all time. And then uh I'd say sort of off base with uh the whole all time discussion, but what's definitely been in the news lately has been Ben Simmons um essentially uh asking for a trade um he said he uh does not plan on attending training camp so that's as close to a trade request as possible for a guy of his caliber and naturally his trade value is really muted due to the fact that um last picture in our head of ben simmons is the fact uh, that he passed out of a wide-open dunk. Um, but obviously there's still a lot of reason to uh, bet on Ben Simmons, uh, especially as of late being one of the best defensive players in the league. He's been on the all-defensive de- all team two years in a row, and he's only 25 years old. Um, and I know Bucks fans have really, uh, unfortunately, well, Fortunately for Bucks fans, they have benefited from uh, the Ben Simmons turmoil because he and Giannis obviously have very similar skill sets, um, and even though it may be sacrilege to compare them, um, their nor <laughs> He's um, Giannis is being uh, compared to Ben Simmons in a positive light because. Uh, Lots of the media is saying that the biggest difference between them is that Giannis is not afraid to be embarrassed, such as from airballing free throws or, or airballing jump shots. Uh, and they feel that, feel that there might be some sort of intangible, uh, uh, pardon me, an issue with Ben Simmons intangibles and not being, um, yeah, just not being more, more aggressive, um. I mean that could even equate to not caring enough if you're not, uh, if that is if that is correct and and if he's like, um, afraid to fail. But I've always had um, fascination with Ben Simmons back to um, even his Montverde days. um, Similar to how I always talk about Brandon Jennings' uh, hoop mixtapes and of course plenty of other guys through the years. Ben Simmons was one of the latest ones that I've really (laughs) that I really. uh, connected with because he was he was really a mind bending player uh, coming into the league and he still could be um, the issue is just that uh, guys like him kind of need a team built around him so I see candidates for uh, Ben Simmons spot um, you know I think of teams that either they have uh, they have shooting. Which Ben Simmons needs around him, or that, and or they have um, almost like a blank slate, or like they don't really have much else going for them. So why not take a take a swing on a buy low guy with with the potential of Ben Simmons. So I I guess in that light, that that leads me more so towards uh, the Sacramento Kings. Um, I've heard a lot about, um, there have been a lot of jokes made um, about them, I feel like, on recent podcasts that I'm listening to for um, no huge reason, uh, besides maybe these Ben Simmons rumors. But I've also heard people suggest that that isn't really... um, that might that that might not be a suitor for ben simmons um they have a deer and fox that i think with the decline in, in ben simmons value um i mean i could easily see how they would value deer and fox more than ben simmons especially because he's already been their cornerstone um but is there a way that that the kings would um say screw it to a potential fit and and move something like a Buddy Healed and a Tyrese Halliburton because those guys might not be the ceiling raisers that Ben Simmons is. Because um, you know, if if he if he can get back to where he was, um, the Kings could at least compete for compete in a play in game. I would say. I mean, I know that's not like the highest of hopes for an NBA team, but. The Kings have been through a lot, and uh, I think this was on the show with Sam Vecini that I was listening to today. That the Kings haven't, the Kings haven't had uh, a league-average defense in like 15 years, and of course that could um, be that could be resolved with that might be resolved with just uh, Ben Simmons alone. So. I mean, I, I, could, I could see that. Um, another one I could see, and it's uh, natural that I'm going from the Kings to them, that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Timberwolves obviously have been uh, disappointing, um, given that they have two number one overall picks in Carl Anthony Towns. And to be fair, just last year they drafted uh, Anthony Ever- Edwards number one overall. Uh, a redraft probably would have would have uh, granted them LaMelo Ball. but um, They have both not a ton to lose. Um, probably more to lose than, than the, the Kings at least, but they have less to lose than other teams in taking a risk with Ben Simmons, and you can also talk yourself easily uh, into the fit because uh, Carl Anthony Towns might be... Um, might already be the most versatile, um, shooting big man ever, and putting that next to Ben Simmons, uh, would fit pretty well, um, tricky thing is you would almost have to, uh, you don't, you'd have to send out a D'Angelo Russell, I believe, um, you could maybe do like a D'Angelo Russell and a Jada McDaniels, um, if we're trying to get closest to fair value for Ben Simmons, um, it would be tough to do something like uh, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Uh, you obviously have to add more salaries from the Sixers to make that work. Um, I know like a middling salary that the Sixers have is like a Seth Seth Curry at like a eight million and some change, but. I mean, still, I don't know if if the math works there, but I, I think in a vacuum the the Timberwolves would be making out pretty good and getting Ben Simmons in that deal and although D'Angelo Russell has, has uh gotten a lot of shade in the past years, he's has a kind of skill set that would work well on the Sixers. a uh, a uh, uh, Pick and roll point guard who can actually shoot, and then of course Jaden McDaniels is not uh, is not a slouch as a prospect either. He could uh, not to the degree of Ben Simmons, but um, he's already an impact defender at a young age and has a has a lot more room to grow uh, on both ends. And then lastly, the trade that maybe just makes the most sense on on both sides is uh, Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum. That seems to be like the best way for uh both teams to be happy um i know the sixers would be most happy with that probably um out of the two other the now three trades that i've suggested um of course a lot of that comes down to if damian L- damian lillard truly wants it he probably doesn't which is why it probably won't happen but he, damian lillard would probably rather stick with um cj mccullum who seems to be like a brother to him um, But Ben Simmons, similar to the Kings, would sure up that defense. Um, And there are other shooters uh, there in Portland where you could talk yourself into the fit not being as much of an issue with Simmons as it would be like pretty much anywhere else. But that is a lot of non bucks talk there, so... um, Again, I would like to thank Matt Issa for joining me in the beginning of this episode. And uh, apologies to him for um, falling off there because I mean, I believe I believe it had to do with my mic. I would just assume that I was tinkering with it. But uh, I would I would implore all fans to go follow him on Twitter at Matt Issa15. Uh, that's M A T I S S A15. On Twitter that's his personal and then uh, his show the quest for the best is also on Twitter at the underscore quest six uh, and pay attention for a show that comes out uh, September uh, 14th it's, it's a six-part series answering questions such as uh, who is who's the goat and who are the 10 best players of all time so you can kind of dig even dig even deeper into our discussions today um maybe get even more clarity on Giannis than uh than before and uh you can also check me out on twitter and instagram at nook if you buck nba use just the letter u everything else is as uh, it sounds and with that i'll see you in another life brother Thank you for tuning in to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.